Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Columbus, Ohio, it's time for Columbus Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Columbus Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today, we have with us Beth A. Thomas with Change for Growth Consulting. Welcome, Beth. Hey, Lee. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Please tell us a little bit about Change for Growth. How are you serving folks? Yeah, I would love to. First of all, our company motto is we help companies perform while they transform. So we do that in five different ways. We help organizations that are going through change. So organizational change management, whether it's a technology change, a merger and acquisition, a leadership change. We help them with culture and employee engagement to ensure their employees are engaged and they have the right culture for success. We help their leaders. Um, We have an entire stable of coaches that uh, have come from every discipline, every industry, whether they were an ex-CIO, CHRO, that are um, coaches on our staff. We also do project delivery and then training and development. So all of those things are necessary when companies are going through transformation. So we really look to support them in those in those ways. So how'd you get into this line of work? Great question. So um, my real jobs a long time ago is I headed up this type of function at the Limited Brands um, in Columbus, Ohio, where they had at one point 12 different brands, such as Victoria's Secret, Bath & Body, and all those great name brands. Um, and then I went on to J.P. Morgan Chase, where I was a senior vice president um, of all learning and development for the retail space, um, as well as change. And then I went to the dark side of consulting around 15 years ago and started up a practice. Um, and about three years ago, bought that practice and renamed it Change for Growth. So now what was uh, for you the impetus to go from kind of these larger big enterprise level companies to being an entrepreneur? You know, Lee, it's funny. I really have always had a servant leader heart. So, you know, what really would excite me and the things that I were passionate about is how do I help people? And so in the positions that I held at JP Morgan and at limited brands, I was really an internal consultant at heart. And I really took a lot of the great work that we did because I was a practitioner and many of our consultants are as well. You know, we own those functions within companies, um, within organizations. So we were able to take kind of the best of the best um, practices and really turn that into consulting so we can now help, you know, many companies across uh, the world now. So we took the work that we did that was proven successes within those large organizations and and really created consulting so we can serve many more companies, many more industries and and really help people. Now, is your work kind of industry agnostic or do you have a specialty? So really it's industry agnostic. I mean, we are in healthcare, we were we are in supply chain logistics, we are in um, warehousing and uh, manufacturing. But the large majority of the work that we do is in retail. So um, we do a lot in retail. And I think (laughs) largely it's because we love retail. And also um, I have a huge network because of my time at Limited Brands. Now, that's brick and mortar retail or e-commerce retail? Both. 
So we're doing right now a lot of digital transformations that have to do with how these companies are transforming themselves into the new way that the customers are engaging with them. So digital transformations is a huge part of what we do and helping organizations through that and and how to figure out how they're going to serve customers, their e-com, you know, even down to supply chain and logistics of how they're going to get, you know, the deliveries and, and how they're going to compete with monsters like Amazon and, and things like that. Now, what's the pain that those your your clients or prospective clients are having where change for growth is kind of should be their first call? Well, honestly, if you statistically, 70% of these transformations fail. And two of the biggest reasons are because leaders don't know how to lead change effectively and also employee resistance. So, you know, change is really extremely hard. And because of that, employee resistance and and people are difficult to deal with. They have different styles. Um, You know, we have to bring in the psychology. We have to bring in, you know, the best practices around change management methodologies. And we really have what I would say is a very prescriptive um, program in helping organizations through that pain. So they are not one of those statistics in, in failures from a transformational perspective. Now, does change have to be kind of this revolutionary change or can it be more of an evolutionary kind of tweaking? Well, it could be both. Depends on how large the organization, organizational change is, um, whether it's project based, whether it's organizational based. Um, You know, there are different levels of change management. Some can be as simple as, you know, communication or training, and then some could be more transformational where you have to get every level in the organization engaged, the stakeholders engaged. You have to really be able to facilitate all the activities that is necessary in order for your organization to go to that, you know, business readiness and adoption state um, to ensure that they have the ROI of that transformation. Otherwise, you know, they won't achieve that. Now, are you working typically with kind of the C-suite or, or people kind of at lower levels bringing you in to help them with a project or help them get through a certain challenge that they're having? We honestly deal with all levels in the organization. While the C-suite may be the ones hiring us, um, we may work with um, program directors, transformation offices, um, chief human re- resource officers, all the way down to the individual contributors. Now, uh, when you're working with these folks, um, is there? do you normally come in just on a project basis or is it always kind of some systemic challenge you're working on? We really do both. So, you know, a lot of the transformations, especially the technology transformations are project driven, right? So they may be putting in a new ERP. Um, they be, may be putting in a new e-commerce system or order management system. Um, others are more organizational change where they're more widespread. So that's could be a complete merger and acquisition where it involves people, processes, and technology. So we, we really attack it in both ways. And, you know, we have this model that's called the change capable model, and it's really helping organizations become change capable. So it's much more than a project. We're really building competencies within the organization. So they are change agile and change resilient resilient. And and that is so critical in the world that we live in now, um, knowing that you have to change in order to keep up with 
with the world today. And if you aren't changing, you're not growing. So we know that's going to be the constant for many years to come. So really helping your organization became, become change capable is, is what they should be focused on. Now, do you work with kind of private equity firms and VCs in order to help with their portfolio? Is that uh, something that you do as well? Yeah, great question. So we're, we're right now engaged with an organization where we're helping them do a lot of the due diligence that's necessary from an M&A perspective and things that they may want to infuse capital into to evaluate the organization and um, evaluate anything from their leadership to their organizational design to their sales and growth and, and just their ability to you know, change and grow the way the VC or the private equity firm um, expects. Now, you're based in Columbus, but you have offices in London and also uh, one upcoming in Atlanta. Um, is it important to have boots on the ground in those markets? Like, what's the thinking there as you expand it, rather than just coming from a central base of Ohio? Yeah, great question. You know, one of the things that this pandemic has done is I believe it's shrunk the world. So we, we do have clients in London, England and, you know, around the UK and things that we used to want to be on the ground for, we can now do virtually. So it's saving the company's money. It's just as effective. And and certainly, you know, we still want to have that face time because we do believe that's critically important. But I have a partner in England and it's called Thought Provoking Consulting and they are a partner of ours and uh, we do a lot of work together and they are a retail consulting firm. And then Atlanta, um, we have one of our uh, superstar consultants that is going to be the manager managing director and is moving there because there's a lot of growth and I believe a lot of great opportunity in helping organizations um, in that area do a lot of the work that we've been doing in Columbus, Ohio. So we're taking the successful model that we've built here and we're starting to kind of plant in other areas of the country and the world that we think are high growth areas. And then when you go into a market, then you're looking to hire more consultants in that area or the consultants can be coming from anywhere. Well, we would definitely want to always have consultants in those areas, and we do, but we also have virtual consultants all over. And like I said, because of this pandemic, one of the silver linings is we can we can work a lot more um, effectively, and it's a lot more embraced by our clients. And, you know, right now, many of our clients aren't even back at work, and they don't even want to see us except on the computer, so... Now, uh, is that one of the transformations that you help your um, clients through through the pandemic is to move to remote or to execute remote a little better than because some people are doing it better than others, obviously? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things I said in the very beginning, Lee, was don't fall in love with saving money on real estate. You really have to have a strategy around how you're going to manage your workforce, whether it's going to be you know, total virtual, whether it's going to be a blended model. And you really want to prepare your leadership team and your people managers on how do you engage your employees virtually? How do you create a virtual culture? And these are all challenges I see many companies going through right now. And there's a lot of people that while they say that it's okay to work from home, they really are missing that ability to build relationships um, with their coworkers and to create and maintain a positive culture. And, and that's critically important. So change for growth in the very beginning of the COVID 
uh, pandemic, we created a lot of resources for companies that were going through these challenges. So, you know, how to welcome forward your employees, how to manage your employee workforce, um, how to create a virtual culture, and all of those are on our website. Now, do you mind sharing a tip or two regarding that? Because that's always, um, that's something I hear a lot that when you're in real life, there's this, you know, I can, especially onboarding like a new employee, I can follow someone around. I could kind of be a, a, a fly on the wall. I can, you know, I'll bump into somebody and there's this serendipity and this opportunity kind of bubbles up where virtually those kind of um, happy accidents don't occur unless you kind of pre-plan for them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, first of all, I would say, you know, don't create your strategy in a silo. Ensure that you're really asking the employees what works best for them, because you may have employees that don't have the environment at home where they can, you know, be productive, be effective. So really making sure that you're building that program that's going to be the best for the employees, because that's what's going to help make you successful and create the culture that you want. I think you have to be really intentional about reaching out and making those connections more so than before and really asking your employees, you know, how are you doing, making sure that you still have touch points. Putting your video on is huge. I believe in that. I feel like I'm in the room with people. You can have the eye contact, the connection. I think that's really critical, but really creating events, even virtually, virtual happy hours, um, virtual lunches. Um, we, we are going to have like a virtual Valentine's Day party. We had a virtual Christmas party. So, you know, just because you're virtual doesn't mean you still can't have fun with each other. We've done scavenger hunts. Um, so there's lots of tips and tricks. But at the end of the day, you don't want to create a strategy long term uh, that you don't involve your employees with to ensure that you are getting the best from them. And when you say involve them, you're asking their help in kind of uh, authoring it as well? Yeah, I mean, asking them how they work most productively. What are they looking for from the company? What do they feel is the best in the best work environment? You know, there's a lot of companies like information technology where they are like, listen, we prefer working from home. We don't need to be in the office. Um, So I think it depends on what they do for the organization and how working from home or working virtually Um, can work most effectively, not only for the company, but for the employees. You know, if the employees aren't engaged in working virtually, they're not going to do a great job for you. So you've got to kind of find out where they are in that scale and then build your strategy from that. Now, let's talk about your book, Powered by Happy. Um, How did that come about? Well, it was interesting. I was speaking at a global conference um, and I was talking about, you know, women in leadership and talking about, you know, change management. And I had a, an editor from a publishing company approach me and say, listen, you know, when you speak, there's people on the floor, there are people outside the doors, you know, but you're speaking to hundreds of people, but they, but you make them feel like they're sitting in your living room. And, and we'd love for you to transfer that energy and passion and, and happiness into a book. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, that's where it started. I really didn't um, think or aspire to be an author. Um, And it was a process, let me tell you, (laughs) it's not easy. Um, But I really took a lot of not only my own DNA, my own experience, but I really researched like what happiness can do to your culture as an organization and 
what happiness can do for your employees if they're engaged and how much it really translates to the bottom line. And it really translates to increasing your market share and customer engagement. So in my mind, I feel like every executive and CEO should be thinking about how do we make our employees happy at work? And it's not just like, you know, pizzas on Friday or Jean Day Friday. This is about how do we ensure that we are helping them be successful and being the best that they can be? Because when people are passionate about what they do, if they're happy with what they're doing and adding value and feeling valued, they're going to give you 110%. They're going to give you that discretionary effort. So really, the book shares a lot of the experience. It's very practical. It's very pragmatic. It has lots of tips and tricks. It has worksheets in there to really do some self-reflection on what does make you happy from happy at work and how can how can we make that come true? So when this pandemic happened, the book actually had a huge surge because people were really seeking out, I'm not happy and I want to be happy and I want to be happy at work. And how do I find that? Now, why did you choose the word happy uh, rather than, you know, like a uh, more meaningful life or, or something that maybe has like a higher, higher, uh, at least place in, in the mind for me, at least rather yeah, than happy so, where that could sound kind of superficial. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, originally the book was going to be called The Little Book of Happiness. And then after my publishing company and editor and agent all kind of read through some of the copy, they were like, you know, this is way more powerful. You know, while we don't want to lose the vision of happiness because, but we want to prove how that happiness factor can be powerful for not only the individual but for the companies. So I, I love actually the title Powered by Happy because it insinuates taking something that may not seem as meaningful and making it much more powerful for an organization and for individuals. And then uh, your data, you have data to support that uh, there's an ROI to Happy? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting. Right now, um, statistics are saying that 85% of people are not happy at work. And, and that's a pandemic within itself. And um, if you just can translate that to getting those employees um, to be happy at work, to be engaged, because, you know, not being happy at work means they're disengaged. But if you can turn even a percentage of that to being engaged employees, they're going to give that 110%. And that's going to translate very nicely to the bottom line. So now uh, in the book, is there kind of some low hanging fruit an organization can do to increase the happy? Yeah, you know, we have a happiness committee. So again, I'm all about not taking guesses or not creating strategies alone. I'm all about, you know, asking the employees what motivates them, what inspires them. It's not a one size fits all. You really have to understand your employees to understand what they need from you in order to be engaged. And that's done by, you know, surveying, having committees and, and really making them understand that, that it's important to you as a leader that they are engaged. And, you know, I do lots of global workshops for organizations and they give them a copy of my book. And, and that's just one way that they are showing the employees that their happiness is important to them. Now, does the happiness begin even before they're an employee, but goes back to how you're recruiting and choosing the employee? Because if you're yeah. choosing people that are kind of wired for happy, it's yeah. a lot easier to keep them happy. Great question, Lee. So 50% of people's happy 
is your DNA. Um, and Goldie Hawn has a foundation that she works with children um, because they there's a huge um, alliance between children being happy and they turn into successful adults. Um, Happiness 101 is Harvard's number one class because people are starting to be able to translate that into hard quantifiable results for, you know, organizations. But so 50% of this is your DNA and 50% is your choice. So every day you wake up and at least 50%, you know, you have a choice whether you're going to be happy or not today. And, and we, we even talk about, you know, having gratitude journals. So as soon as you wake up, write three things down that you're grateful for. And it really puts you in that mindset of, of being happy and grateful. I recently, uh, not that recently, but in the past, I've interviewed one of the leaders at Chick-fil-A, which is a, a fast food chicken restaurant. Yeah, love it. And um, he told me that they hire, uh, like their, you know, the workers in the store, they have to be natural smilers. Yes. And, you know, it's, we, we are the same way. You hire the person, build the function around it, because they have to have that servant leader kind of mentality. They have to be team players. They have to delight our customers. And, and that so much is a characteristic in who they are. But if you get that right at, at that stage, everything right. becomes easier after 100%, that stage. Because it's not something that you can easily train. Right. Yeah. So you might as well choose wisely at the beginning. Right. Exactly. So now if somebody wants to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on your team or get a hold of your book, uh, what's the website? So the website for Change for Growth is www.change4growth.com and they can contact us through there or they can contact me directly. Um, Beth Thomas, B. Thomas at changeforgrowth.com and they can get my book, Powered by Happy, on Amazon. Good stuff. Well, congratulations on all the success, uh, Beth. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thank you, Lee. Great to be here. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Columbus Business Radio. 